This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Janago Fjordov is a name plenty might know from his playing days with the likes of Middlesbrough, Sheffield United and Eintracht Frankfurt. But he's more known now for his Champions League interviewing work with Norwegian television channel Viasport. I'm Matt Addison and for the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast, I asked him all about Jurgen Klopp, Jadon Sancho, Kai Havertz and plenty more. Jan was the journalist who you will no doubt have seen after Liverpool won the Champions League in Madrid, who got Klopp to sing Let's Talk About Six. He also works on German football, so has all of the inside info on Liverpool's reported transfer targets, including Sancho and Havertz, and we also touched upon Timo Werner. Jan has a lot of insight into Norwegian players such as Martin Odegaard, who Liverpool wanted before he signed for Real Madrid and could go back for in the future, and Erling Haaland, who's burst onto the European scene this season. Jan was great company and his thoughts on those topics and plenty more make for a brilliant listen. But we started by speaking about his thoughts about and dealings with Jurgen Klopp. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, just in terms of Klopp himself, I know he's someone that you've interviewed many times, as you mentioned before. I mean, did you ever play against him? Because I think you both played in Germany at the same time, didn't you? Uh, more or less, but he was playing in the second league. Uh, he was uh, he was at Eintracht Frankfurt when he was younger. He came into the second team. There is a funny career that funny career that he had uh, because he played in the second team. And I was with Andy Muller. If you remember Andy Muller, uh, the German international great player for Schalke, Dortmund, Juventus, and and he said that. Um, uh, he said, uh, I was with him with Eintracht Frankfurt when I went to the semi-final at the European League. So we, 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 we sat at the dinner and he was talking about Kloppo. And he said that uh, uh, he, um, he, Klopp, Jürgen Klopp means that they should have swapped, that he should be the great player. But he think that when he was 18 or 19, Eintracht Frankfurt took the decision to go for Andy Müller and not Jürgen Klopp. So I asked Andy Müller, do you think that you could be the manager of Liverpool now that if you swapped, uh, swapped the position? <laughs> but, but so... Now, I got to know, not knowing Klopp, but I worked a lot with him when I worked with Sky from 2011 to 2014 in Germany. I was commuting from Norway uh, and I was able to follow Dortmund's way all the way to the final in 2013 when they lost to Liverpool. Uh, uh, an amazing club, an amazing atmosphere that he created uh, at Dortmund. And I can see, I, I can see that he, he is so good at, you, you feel... When he comes to Liverpool, he, he was the perfect manager, as they felt in Dortmund, uh, because that is his ability to understand a club, the club's history, uh, the way he he, uh, he sells the club, he pitched the club, uh, the respect he's got for, for the tradition of a club is amazing. But I, I sometimes, and I've asked him that question a couple of times, and I think he's answered it quite good, because sometimes I feel that that role of being the ambassador, that role of being uh, the, the, the traditionalist showing the club, sometimes that kind of, kind of hide how a good manager is. Because if you, I, I think that you can define a team and how you improve your players. And if you see the players in Liverpool at the moment, and they are different levels or different backgrounds, but, I mean, you could make a case that he improved more or less every player in that club. I mean, there are the, the, the obvious ones, like the, the wing-backs or whatever. But uh, Henderson or, or Mane or Firmino or Salah, I mean, 
Uh, people say, yeah, why? But uh, everybody can take Van Dijk. Why? Why didn't everybody then get him? He played at Celtic, and then he went to Southampton. And that goalkeeper, ah, oh, yeah, they, they bought the Finnish goalkeeper. Yeah, but why didn't the other clubs get him? <laughs> so, so I think that you sometimes uh, he because of the uh, the charisma and everything that got he got around him. I think that is underestimated as a, as a coach, and and I think that's and and that's one of the things that I I like to talk about with him when when we when, when I interview. Him. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. To be honest, and you mentioned there that. You've interviewed him, and probably the the famous one really is the, the <laughs> let's talk about six. And uh, mm. you know, I, I have to ask you about that because you know, as long as he's in a good mood, I mean, he's a, a real dream person to interview, isn't he? Because he he comes up with with brilliant quotes like this. Yeah. Well, uh, my record with, uh, with 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 sometimes when you get the managers, the head of communication or the press uh, people, they will say two questions and. Two questions with some managers. That is twenty-second interview. Uh, my my record with Jurgen is one question after the semi-final in Madrid. He was a Dortmund manager, and he spoke for three minutes uh, for one question uh, because I have I had learned that Batska, uh, the CEO of Dortmund, he was grabbing the hands of the King of Spain in the last five minutes of the game, and blah blah blah. We talked about that, but but Jurgen is is very good at at. Uh, also giving himself when he's in the in the right mood and but he's also the guy who when you lose he he will he will give you quotes he will he will be there for interviews and this let's talk about six that was also a bit coincidentally because at the champions league final you wait and wait and wait and wait and the losers the losing team they will be so disappointed that they will kind of skip every interview so we were waiting for like 30 minutes and i i was i was talking very closely with uefa and tried to make the case that I should get Jurgen Klopp first. And uh, this UEFA guy was Italian, so I thought I should give all my arguments on loyalty. Uh, and I said, uh, who are the only channel from all you see around her? I know we're small and I have to kick about my weight because we're all in Scandinavia, but have a look around and see who, who have been here since the Champions League started. And I said, it's, it's Viasat. And he said, okay. And have a look around. Who has seen every game Liverpool have got, had in, in Champions League this year? And he said, uh, the answer is probably Jan Fjortov. And I said, exactly. So just think of that when you come in. And, 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 uh, and yeah, so then he came in and um, he, he started to do that into, I'm, I'm singing the first line to kind of join in. And thank God I shut my mouth then afterwards. And, and he keeps on singing. And, and then I... Um, I then, when I finish right into, I know of course that this is gold. So I'm just waiting for Norway to to kind of get it on air, and I'm waiting one minute, two minutes. It feels like, like because once I lost an interview with Mourinho in the sky of like 200 I've done, uh, then then I lost uh, this one, and uh, uh, I, I will go out here, <laughs> and uh, I, I lost that interview. So I thought, of course, that will happen again. Uh, and then, because I knew at the moment that that would be on, I would be like 100 messages. And then finally it came on. And, but but Jürgen is, is fantastic for, because the guy he then went to afterwards. So I went over to, oh, he was unbelievable, Jürgen, wasn't he? He was unbelievable. He was singing. And, and this guy said, he was singing? He was quite normal here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was a brilliant interview and, and a brilliant example of, of Jürgen Klopp, really. But... 
it's not just for the cameras, is it? I know I don't know how well you know him away from football, but I mean, from what you read and, and what you hear, he's he's just like that pretty much all of the time. Yeah, I don't know him personally. I mean, I I know him, so I I can speak to him, and I when we when we have some seconds when I see him in Champions League, I can say hi and how are you and blah 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 blah. But uh, but yeah, everybody speaks very highly of him. But but we also know, and I remember that too, when when I worked in Germany, we also know that he has this madness to him. But I say in a positive way because I love this madness, and I think that's what people love him for as well. Uh, but it's also, I see that when he came to England, that fitted more into the English way. And when he comes to England, he will see that, well, people in England are generally more more mad than in Germany. <laughs> and, I, and I say that with a highly respect because I, both, I lived in both countries and I love both countries. Uh, so this madness is a part of the English game and it's, it's more allowed. And then he was more normal and... Uh, I say I think it's calmed down a bit, uh, calmed down in terms of you remember in back in the days when the Champions League with the linesman in Napoli, and uh, I also remember the la- the three years and I was in Germany. I was always waiting when we met match of the day, and I was waiting like ten meters from the line. And of course, the last five six minutes are very intense in a football game, of course. And it was like it was like Johnny Madness, uh, but. Uh, but I, I was so uh, impressed by that because he always managed to, to stop before it got uh, too much. And of course, when, when it gets too much, with his charm and with his uh, great teeth, everything is okay at the end anyway. So then he saves himself all the time. Yeah, you, you mentioned madness there. There should be some madness in Liverpool if they get the, the title confirmed for the first time in 30 years. And I just wonder what you've, you've made of, of his team this year, not just in, in the Champions League, but in the Premier League too? Well, I think everybody I've seen of this season is, is in, in, a, in a year where everybody say it will be tight and uh, Manchester City, of course, the challenger, but there all the teams with Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal. I mean, you should be a very tight Premier League and the way... Uh, way Liverpool gone away with it is is amazing. You you you. I mean, no expert in the world. Uh, I mean, no fans would have hoped for that. Uh, and but I'm I'm one of those who uh, who says there there was a, there was a football game before Premier League started. So this first Premier League kind of thing is not so important for me because I grew up with with Keegan being happy that Keegan left because I supported Leeds United. And then they got Candida Gleeson, and it was even better. So uh, I grew up, so so I know what Liverpool uh, are capable of. But 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 the way they played football is is unbelievable. And I think sometimes we 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 get to be reminded. I mean, everybody now have seen Last Dance with Michael Jordan, and you and you have a look at teams that are so much better better than other teams in marginal sports. I mean that is the that is the amazing thing, and uh, and I think that what Liverpool has done this season can be compared with some of the greatest achievements done in the top league in England. Because to I mean you can't compare it with a Leicester, which is a surprise and winning the league and all that. But in in what we have to define as the tightest and best leagues uh, with foreign owners with a lot of money, and then you manage to 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 kind of fly away with it is. Is unbelievable, and uh, 
I, I hope, and I, I know the Liverpool fans will be a bit disappointed that this Corona will be stopped and everything. But mind, mind you, in a couple of years, when we see back on this season, people will remember that the, you know, uh, Liverpool won it with a mile ahead of the other opposition. So I think they will go in there as one of the greatest uh, achievements in the top flight of English football. You've seen them, of course, in Europe as well as, as reigning European champions. I mean, how much of a, a shock was it that they went out to Atletico Madrid? Because I think it, it was a, a pretty close game, but Liverpool don't lose too often, of course, these days. No, and, and that's why it surprised us all. But we know that uh, I think that is a testament to the season they've had in England because <clears throat> then they managed to nearly win every game uh, and uh, and. At the top in Champions League, uh, I think that that was a confirmation of what Liverpool had done the two years before with winning and being in the final. So it just shows you you have to score and you you have to get your chances. You you have to have a goalkeeper have a one fantastic game. Uh, thinking back to the the, the the treble of Manchester United, Henning Berg, my friend. He saved the ball on the line in the quarterfinal or something. You always need to have these moments to go all the way. And sometimes with, with, with so many good teams in there, sometimes you will slip up. So, so that could happen. And uh, the habit of winning, uh, of course, that will, of course, at the end be your biggest enemy. Because if you then lose, like Liverpool did, it was Watford, wasn't it? Uh, when, 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 when you lose, you kind of... There's a bigger shock in, the, in football, and uh, I guess that is a testament to how good these teams are. Yeah, I mean, just a, a last question on, on Liverpool as a, a team specifically. I mean, of course, this season has been disrupted, and there's been some sort of talk about, you know, maybe the achievements of, of this Liverpool team, in the short term at least, might be diminished a, a little bit. But, I mean, you said before that in a few years' time, we'll look back at this team rightly as being one of the best ever. Where do you think it, it ranks? I mean, is it up there with, say, the Manchester City team that, that got 100 points a couple of seasons ago or, or maybe the great Manchester United teams as well? Well, yeah, I just first I will say that I followed uh, German football now, their start. And after the first round, also without fans, I mean, <coughs> the, uh, the fans, I mean, they are everything to, to football. But in terms of competitiveness, uh, in terms of tightness, everything showed that we are quite back to normal in the intensity of the games. So the achievements now going into the corona uh, season uh, w won't be less. I mean, people not get used to not playing for fans because that will annoy people. That's the, that annoys me as well. And hopefully the fans will be back very soon. So that will be, go quicker than you think. But if you, if you have a look at the, at the great sides, what I, what I think that is so great with, with Liverpool this season is that this is a system, that is, this is a way of playing that has been done at Anfield. Uh, this is, you see that the way of Klopp, uh, this is the way that he, I want to play this way and I want my players to develop, to play, to have the ability. I want those kind of players and he is slowly but good uh, built up uh, a team that will be good for a whole season. I mean, you, you may say that in the Champions League, um, last year, Tottenham went all the way. So you may say that if you have a good run or you have some good players who are suddenly doing well in a quarterfinal and semifinal, then you can go all the way. But to win the league, I mean, that, that, is, the, that is the biggest thing. So, so uh, I mean, it's very hard for a team like Liverpool with, with its tradition to say 
where it ranked, but because it's the first Premier League title, I think that is a psychological thing to it. And now that it's done and dusted, and then they will attack next year again, and, and Liverpool will be one of the greatest favourites to, to win it next year as well. And you, you, you can't see other teams that should be greater favourites than them going into a new season as well. And if they added a couple of players now, I think that is important. I think that is important that you, you need something new in uh, just for the sake of it, uh, just for fighting for places as well. So uh, we, we sometimes we have to stop and remember these players are human beings and uh, we need someone to, to freshen things up. So it'll, it'll be up there with the biggest achievement to deliver with this period with Klopp uh, a couple of last season. I mean, only to, to sit here and compare it with, uh, with the former Liverpool uh, teams. Uh, it shows that it's a great uh, achievement. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, of course. And and just a few sort of questions on, on Norwegian football. And, yeah. and Martin Odegaard as well, a, a player that, that Liverpool were, were linked with when he sort of made that move to Real Madrid. He apparently trained at, at Liverpool's Melwood training ground. He was with the plenty of, of different uh, teams in the run-up to that move. But, I mean, just in terms of, you know, his move to Real Madrid, was, was that the right choice, do you think? I had uh, Martin Erdegor and his father in my living room. Uh, we were sitting, uh, and as you say, in Liverpool, uh, I think they were the favourites of the family. They were a favourite team. Uh, but I think at the time when he w- w- were to decide that, I, th- I think sometimes in Europe we are a, a bit too eager to, to get the players to be on top when they are 17 or 18. What we've learned from American sport is that you are late bloomers, there are early bloomers, uh, and the way he has turned in now in Spain, he's playing fantastic now with Real Sociedad, still owned by Real Madrid. They extended his contract. And at that time, I think he made the right decision. And it was quite, I think it's in my world, it was quite simple. Because he wouldn't go into any first team at that moment. He could train with first teams. But he had to go where he could play most football. And Real Madrid had a second team. Uh, Real Madrid was the second team of Real Madrid at that time was coached by uh, a guy called Zinedine Zidane. We, uh, so for, for me at that time, when I gave him advice and talked with him about it, I think that was all to see where could he develop best at the moment. Both Liverpool, um, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, they didn't have a second team that was competitive enough at that time. And uh, So that, that's, that's why he went to uh, Real Madrid, had a couple of years in Holland. And now I'm so proud and I'm so respecting what he's doing now in Sociedad. He's one of the best midfielders in La Liga. And we'll just see how long it will take before before Real Madrid take him back. Do you think there's a chance that at some point further down the line, maybe after he's had a few seasons at Real Madrid, he could maybe move on again and maybe we might see him in the Premier League at some stage? I think basically all Norwegians want to, uh, want to play in England. I mean, with our connection to English football... We would love to to uh, to play there. So yeah, I can see that happening. But he's now so close to Real Madrid, so uh, Real Sociedad could come into sensationally come into Champions League now, and then we'll see. Uh, I think Martin is now 21 or something, uh, and Modric was 23 when he came to Real Madrid. So he's still a very young man, and he's more nearly over 20 caps for Norway, and he's. Very mature guy with a great, great attitude. So, yeah, I can see him end up wherever he wants to end up. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching him actually for Stromskutzer. I, I, yeah. uh, I think that's uh, how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, well, uh, he was uh, he was about 15 at the time, and he was just the, the best player on the pitch. It, it was incredible to watch, really. It was uh, certainly a player I've had my eye on for a while, and, and likewise Erling Haaland as well. Uh, he's been... Yeah, I just want to say with Martin because the first time I saw him live. <laughs> was for Stramskutsa and uh, a friend of mine at that time worked in the scouting uh, or recruiting uh, manager for Arsenal. So he called me up and he said, uh, Jan, what do you know about Martin Odegaard? I said, well, I know that the Ronnie Dyla that I know said that he got a fantastic guy in, 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 the, in the youth teams. And coincidentally, the, the league starts tomorrow and I, I'm going to watch him because I'm going to the our main stadium they play a ball ring. So I will call you then and tell you how I feel about him so I was looking at him at the warm-up uh, which is always good when you scout players and then I saw seven minutes of the game and then I called this Arsenal guy and I said this is it and I exactly like you uh, we saw it straight away and I was the manager of uh, I had two years as a general manager of the national team and we took him into the national team when he was 15 and the reason we did that was that we wanted to so to say, get him under control. We wanted to speak to him. We wanted to set up a, a, a people around him that if if the family needed, they were around. And I remember the first press conference he gave, all the people about me, you know, a 15-year-old in a national team. And I've, he answered better than a 30-year-old national player. So he's very mature. And same with Ali Holland, as you, you mentioned there. They have, uh, they have this love for football. They have this great attitude. These are not, uh, at least now, uh, not uh, big tattoos or um, quick cars. They will probably come later, but it's not now. Um, always looking for areas where they can improve, um, do the on and off the pitch. And Erling Haaland, I think the first time I saw him, uh, although I, I knew him through uh, Alfinga Haaland, his father who played for Leeds United and Manchester City, who I played with in the national team, so I knew about him, but the first time I saw him live, I think, was at Anfield when he came on. And, and I was amazed that this young kid created so much space for him. He scored one goal, but he could have three or four. He was unbelievable when he came on. And after the game, I, I interviewed Van Dijk, that I always like to interview because he's a, he's a gentleman. He knows what to say and blah, blah, blah. So I said, I have to ask you about, about the Norwegian Erling Holland. And then he just said, well, we won the game. Yeah, I know you won the game, but what do you think about him? Uh, and, uh, uh, well, we won, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, uh, then I said, and then he said, yeah, but uh, I, I, I didn't see a lot of him. Uh, Van Dijk said he was a bit angry because I think there were some mistakes done. And then I, uh, my, I said, uh, well, I think it's a good sign for a striker when the central defender says he didn't see him. So, and then he just went away, Van Dijk. Uh, so... I was amazed when I saw the way he created space for himself. I've never seen, and how I define that is that he, he kind of creates the space that he wants the ball. His runs are unbelievable, kind of wise or experienced the way he's doing it. And coming to Dortmund now, he got players who sees that, like Sancho or Hazard or Royce or Brandt. He got all those people around him and can put him in, in great positions. Yeah, I mean, 100%. He's just such a natural talent, isn't he? I mean, you mentioned that the first time you'd seen him live was, was at Anfield. I mean, before that, was there much talk in Norway about this young striker that was coming through? Or, or was that really the moment for the whole country where they thought, actually, this is a real top-quality, world-class player in the making, potentially? 
No, we knew because he came from Bruno, who were in the third league, and he came to Molde at that time, the best club to develop young players. And they had a manager called Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So he came there and he scored four goals for, uh, for Molde against Brand Bergen. And I think that was his breakthrough in Norway. So we knew about him. Then he went to this uh, youth European Championship or a world championship when he scored nine. Uh, course, so we, we, knew, we knew that this was a, a great player. <clears throat> but we also knew that the, they have a team around him that always, like Martin Ödegård, looking for development. And that's why they went to Salzburg. They had great offers from, for example, Juventus, and they still went there. The same thing they did now with Dortmund, uh, a club that is well known for creating young players into great players. And, uh, yeah, and, he, and he's still 19, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> will be a not a bad future. Yeah, he has a, a very, very high ceiling. And again, I asked you about Martin Odegaard potentially ending up in the Premier League. To me, it makes even more sense that, that Holland might move to England as well. I mean, do you think he'd be a good fit for, for Liverpool at some point down the line? Well, I think it would be a good fit for any club. Uh, uh, for you guys, is good or Liverpool good that when he speaks about United, he speaks about Leeds United, not Manchester United, same as I do with Sheffield United, but uh, 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 or Manchester City, where his dad played. But yeah, I think he will end up in England at some stage. Uh, but we never know how he's 19, and I think we should make a space for him to have four or five games not scoring. He will now he's got a small injury and a little setback, and we, we, we should be. Uh, we should uh, just wait and see how he's doing. I know he's at the right place now. Uh, I think that was a wise decision of of his team not to bring him to the Premier League now because although the Premier League is you can develop great players there as well, but I think it's for a 19-year-old at the moment it's better to to live in Dortmund than in than in Liverpool or Manchester United or in Manchester or in London because the intensity, the all media, everything is bigger in England and. He's 19 and the, his time in England will come. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Since the podcast was recorded last Thursday, the news about Timo Werner potentially signing for Chelsea and not Liverpool has broken. Werner was widely reported to be a key target for Liverpool heading into the summer, but it seems that the Reds were unprepared to splash out given the coronavirus has caused such widespread financial uncertainty. The Echo understands that the Reds never entered talks for Werner, while even though RB Leipzig chief executive Oliver Mintzlaff denied that Chelsea had stolen a march for the Germany forward's signature this weekend, it seems highly likely that he'll be playing under Frank Lampard, not Jurgen Klopp, next season. When speaking with Jan, though, we didn't know that at the time, as the news had not emerged at that stage. My questions about Werner, why Liverpool hadn't made a move up until that point, and how he might have fitted in at Anfield, though, are a really interesting listen, nonetheless. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Timo Werner, uh, it seems to, from our angle at, at least, that the, the price seems to be the sticking point with uh, the German striker. Do you think there's any chance that, that Leipzig could maybe accept a fee below his release clause to, to get this deal done? Well, as you know, I was very early on this one uh, I, and I've never felt that the, the price will be the main hurdle here. I think there is more practical stuff down to it with the season that now should be over a long time ago. We should know, talking about who won the Champions League, we should prepare ourselves for the for the European Championship. Uh, so uh, I, I can't see that 
if we do that realistically, uh, the, the, the price won't be the big problem here. I think that it's just practical stuff that will keep keep the, delaying this and uh, then we'll take it from there. We know there is a key date coming up the 15th of June where there is a, where there is a clause, uh, but we never know, do we now, with transfer windows and uh, a new uh, economy after corona uh, or during the corona. So, so I think that I think that this price that Liverpool can't afford him and they are doing all these kind of different things. I think that is just something we come up with because we don't we haven't seen Timo Werner walk into Anfield yet. So I mean, you talk about the the practicalities of it getting in the way. I mean, do you mean there that the coronavirus sort of outbreak has has changed the economic landscape, or or is there something else maybe? Yeah, both. But uh, having said that, I mean, a football club—it's anyone's guess how the the market will develop. But I don't think that I think we are overdoing this on how much impact this will have on the likes of Bayern or Liverpool or Manchester United or PSG and the two Spanish guys, because uh, there will still be a market. And if, if a team of Erna, a Kai Havertz uh, or Jadon Sancho are in the market, there will be buyers. And uh, if I was RB Leipzig and I'm reading in the papers that Liverpool can't afford team of Erna, then I, that is a signal to me that they don't want team of Erna enough. Uh, so I think that this uh, financial stuff is just, it, I, I mean, with practical stuff as well, that we were supposed not to be, everything should be done. But because of, I mean, the, the season in England, uh, the, the second or uh, the end part of the season in England hasn't started yet. The Germans have four, four rounds left. So everything is kind of uh, going a bit, there is a bit of a roller coaster now. Nobody knows what dates, transfer windows, when can we plan, how can we speak to the owners about investments and so on. So for, for me, that is what I define as practical stuff. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely. I mean, you'll have seen a lot of him in Germany. I mean, how good a fit would Timo Werner be for Liverpool, do you think? Well, first of all, I would say it would be a perfect fit for, for any club. Uh, but I would say that the way Liverpool play, uh, as you say, I've seen... Team of an awful lot. I've seen Liverpool awful lot. We we know that it is a perfect perfect fit for them. Uh, also, the fact is a 24 year old boy who uh, used to live in Stuttgart with his parents, then took the next move going to Leipzig. Uh, then his next move will be abroad, He's, and he has said that himself. Uh, then a German coach that he knows very well uh, and a manager for Liverpool that a lot of football players around the world want to play for. And sometimes that is very underestimated. And I, I, had a, I have a podcast, Pod Save the Ball, and I, and I brought in my son, who is 26, because I wanted to talk to him about how to be a 24-year-old who are, li- who are going to live abroad. And sometimes when we are talking about the big football stars, we, f- we forget that they are human beings with strength, weaknesses, like everybody else. And the next move for Timo Werner is very important because... He will uh, he will then go abroad. Uh, so I think that th- that is also a thing that uh, is into his mind at, at the moment. But he, but he seemed the last couple of years to to matured very well on and off the pitch. And sometimes when I see that they're analysing of Liverpool, they haven't seen what Timo Werner has done the last year. Because after Julian Nagelsmann came in, he has developed as a football player. He is not he, he's not that 
only that striker guy. He's the guy who got, got deeper to get the ball. So he's a lot more flexible in his game than he's been before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, two other players that you mentioned there, Jaden Sancho and, and Kai Havertz as well. Uh, I'm sure you'll have seen a great deal of both of them. And, and both of them have been linked with Liverpool quite extensively as well. I mean, just, just how good are those two players? Yeah, coincidentally, this season, I mean, the four, if you take Dan Werner, Sancho, Havertz, and also Leroy Sané, who will probably go back to, or back to Germany, back to Bayern Munich. Uh, Kai Havertz is, is funny because he is... Um, He's so different from the rest of them. When he was 14, 15, he was growing like mad. And people thought, oh, he, he can't be a player. And then he came back as a 16, 17-year-old. And he, I, I can compare him with Balak. Uh, there is not a lot of player like uh, Kai Havertz. It's hard to define what kind of player he is. Uh, in the last games, he played striker for Leverkusen. But he can, can play like this false number nine. I think he can turn into a number 10. Uh, so great striker. Uh, or, well, I think the modern player you can't define where they are going to play. Like myself, when I used to play, I, I, if I played something except number nine, I would probably be out of every team in the world. Uh, but uh, but and Jaden Sancho, uh, I followed Dortmund now because of uh, Erling Haaland, and and he's just been unbelievable. The way he take on people, the way when he's when he's in around the box, there is like you, you smell goals. Uh, some some he scores himself, and some he makes assists. So it's very exciting prospect. And then we'll see. Uh, both Leverkusen and Dortmund have said that maybe the Corona time could give us a chance to to have them here still. But I think that they have done this Cristiano Ronaldo kind of deal that Manchester United did when they said to Ronaldo, "We can't sell you now, but stay for another year." And then we'll sell you. And I think that that's year is up now in the summer for both of those players. Yeah, I mean, just in, in terms of those three then, I mean, Jadon Sancho and, and Kai Havertz probably is going to be sort of a 100 million euros or, or maybe more. Timo Werner, slightly less. Do you think that means that Timo Werner is the most likely to end up at Liverpool just simply because of that price tag difference? Well, the market will decide what kind of price they will have. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Everybody's saying that after Corona, there won't be a hundred million euro transfer. Well, wait and see. The world, the human beings, we are changing very, very quickly. I, I think it's cool that we find ourselves talking about Liverpool with American owners, with a great set of fans, uh, reigning Champions League winner and winning the Premier League now, and they can't afford a player in Germany. I mean, that is, uh, that is not true. Uh, this is all about priorities. And then we'll see... Uh, who they will get uh, and I think Liverpool when I grew up Liverpool one of the greatest abilities that club had was to improve the team when things were going well and I think that that's, that's the philosophy that the club now as well and I expect at least well I, I expect one of them coming to Liverpool but this that we have to get Werner because he is the cheapest well who should afford him then uh, so uh, we'll see You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.